Well, hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. My name is Ian Cheeseman and you're very welcome along to listen if you're a City fan or indeed you aren't a City fan, but this is an hour's chat all about uh, Manchester City, the team I've reported on and supported as a fan uh, throughout my life. And I've watched an awful lot of games in that time, I can tell you. Um, And at the moment, the best games I've ever seen, I think it's fair to say. Uh, This podcast is sponsored and supported by Howard Solicitors, who are based in Stockport and Ashton and all over Cheshire. They specialise in family law. So if you're going through a separation, hopefully you're not, or having problems with access to your children, hopefully not, or social services, and that's one of the many things that they do, give them a call on 0161 872 9999, or you can email law at howardsolicitors.com. I'll just have a look at the website. So who have we got as our guests tonight? Well, from the usual uh, Forever Blue team, we have Amy and we have Harlan. But our special guest tonight, and they don't come much better than this, is a man who played for the club, who played in the League Cup final in 76, played alongside Colin Bell and the great players of, of that era, and went on to manage Manchester City and was one of the most inspirational and well-loved managers, I think, that's ever managed Manchester City, who had some great players, started the journey back from the oblivion that the club was in at one stage, uh, was the manager of the 99 playoff final, Dickoff and all that sort of stuff. Um, so absolutely, if there was to be a statue of a manager, apart from probably Pep now and Joe Mercer, then you've got to say that Joe Royal is very well deserving of that. And Joe, I'm delighted to have you with us. And, and obviously, in the current context, you're also the man that started the Harland dynasty because you signed as a player Alfie Harland, didn't you? I did indeed. And uh, he, he was a good lad. I actually spoke to the the son, you know, who, who looks terrific, by the way. What a beast. Because I was working at Everton at the time. And he came through with his father uh, to Goodison to speak to the club about joining there. But I don't know what happened, whether the agent wanted too much or the player wanted too much. But it never quite transpired. And of course, off he potted to Germany um, (laughs) to become a beast. (laughs) Well, he is a beast, isn't he? I mean, you were a a fantastic centre-forward, the classic centre-forward, a striker. Um, How do you compare yourself to Erling Haaland? Now he's he's playing in this era as well. The goals he scores, the quality and the number of goals he scores, he's he's right up there with the best. Believe me. You've seen a lot as well, haven't you? I mean, I know you obviously have a strong attachment to Everton, so you could look at Duncan Ferguson, for example. Um, you could look at your time at Manchester City, and you look at sorry, Oldham Athletic, and look at somebody like Ian Marshall. So there have been classic centre forwards. Um, it feels to me physically, as perhaps Erling Haaland isn't massively different than some of those others, but in terms of his attitude and his ability, he seems to be on another level, or am I am I not seeing this right? No, you, you're dead right, Ian. He is on another level, and, and they, I think it's harder now to score goals than it was in our days. So the goal machine that he is, um, he also makes goals. You know, he's a great team player. He works for the team. I'm going back a long way now trying to think of anybody who's maybe up there. Bob Latchford was a great goal scorer. Um, <clears throat> wasn't quite the player for the team maybe that uh, that Arlen is. But um, at, at the moment, he's, he's so exciting. 
you can't wait to see him. And again, well, again, well done, Pep. You've got him. The athleticism that's in football has changed so much, hasn't it? I mean, when you were playing, what what sort of advice were you being given as a player? And when you were a manager, what advice were you passing on to your players? I was very fortunate that I played with great midfield players, uh, Alan Ball and uh, Colin Bell, both of whom had three lungs, I'm sure. They could run all day uh, and nothing would stop them. So the game was on the change. Even when I was a young player, just joining Everton at, at 14, and uh, even those days, the players, after a match, you know, the, the dressing room would be full of smoke, which I hated. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't have the same attitude. But the fitness levels and the science that's available now for these players, mate, they're, they're super fit. When we compare one era to another, which I think is a little bit unfair sometimes, um, do you think you could make any comparison? Do you think there are players who are you know, eligible to have played in their era, but also would still play around today. I mean, I can't help thinking that, that Colin would. Oh, Colin, Colin, for sure. You know, but he he was at the um, the the start or, or the just started the, the science, sports science at the time. But going back to players like Stanley Matthews, who was um, way ahead in his time. So we're told, you know, he, he didn't smoke, he didn't drink, he... he drank uh, health health drinks, if anything, and, and he had a healthy diet. So there were the odd one around at that time. They weren't all, you know, boozers and, you know, and smokers. But um, Stanley Matthews was one of the early ones. So I'm told, I mean, I only saw him at the very, very end of his career. But he, he, was, he was a top player. What do you think of this current Manchester City team? How good is it? I think at their best, they are the best. Um, and that's with no bias. And if there's any Liverpool fans listening, and I'm not being a bitch, because um, Liverpool too are a great side. But I think City at their best. I think I think Liverpool probably a little bit tighter defensively. But I think going forward, De Bruyne, how did Chelsea ever let go of him with De Bruyne and Alfie Haaland and, and all the other top players they've got? I think City are the best. So when you when you brought Alfie in, just tell us a little bit more about that. His dad um, was he anything special? I mean, and and I mean, do you take the credit now for the for the start of the Haaland uh, empire, so to speak? Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take the credit. It's a nice coincidence, though. But Alfie was, was a good guy, bit of a rascal. Always had a smile on his face, you know, with, with a, a little. A, a little joke or something or other. He, he was a good guy and he too was very fit, by the way. The Scandinavian boys are. I had Gunnar Haller at um, Oldham and he was very, very fit as well. They had a, a, a great attitude towards their fitness. Did you ever meet um, Alfie's son? I mean, is, you know, is he ever a, like a nip around his ankle sort of thing or he not started his family at that stage? No, I, I was I was in the room uh, at Everton when when they were trying to uh, romance his, his his father into bringing him to Everton, and I don't know what happened at the time why it didn't go further. I rather suspect it will be agencies, but nevertheless, uh, no. I, I mean, Alfie was a good guy and, and a very very fit boy. 
just tell me a little bit while while we're talking i'll introduce the other members of the podcast in a in a second or two about your involvement now at oldham athletic because your son darren is the chief executive um and i did a lengthy chat with him and frank rothwell who's the new owner of the club um yeah. how, how did darren get into that and i mean you must be very proud of of your lad uh, because he you know it's this is the club that I know he's very close to your heart at Oldham Athletic as well as City and Everton. Well, my son was also um, the, the chairman at at um, Wigan Athletic, you know, until we well we got shafted by the Chinese who put us into administration without telling us. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's looking around for a job. Um, both Darren and myself left quite soon after that happened when they went into administration. And he's, he's a bright boy, but he's always been an Oldham fan as well. Um, lives saddle with sides, so, you know, it, it's on, they're on top of the, the hill, so to speak. And um, he was the one who, who found Frank. And believe me, Frank, Frank has, has saved the club, you know, because they were about 30 days short, short we reckon, of fading completely and not coming back. So... Frank, Frank, every time I see him, I thank him, put it that way. You're involved at Oldham as well now, though, aren't you? I'm a director, yeah, a director, and, and I have my name on the stand. But, uh, no, you know, I, I'm not a paid director by any means. I am a director, and um, I'm enjoying it too. And watching football without too much pressure is nice. So, I mean, you're sitting in on board meetings and making decisions as well, Joe. I'll be involved in that, yes. Yes, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, whether it be for transfers or, or in or out. Um, uh, at the moment, we, we've had a hard start to the season. Great win yesterday. A little fortunate, if I'm honest about it, you know, but we, we scraped through 3-2 in the end. Um, we've had a couple of bad injuries. One you will have read about with a player being assaulted in the car park and a couple of bad injuries amongst our senior players, but we'll get stronger from now on. I'm sure that the win yesterday will certainly bring them on a bit. And when you look at Manchester City, and as I say, as far as I'm concerned, you are one of the greatest managers that's ever been in charge at City. Um, and you were a great player as well. Um, and you're high, highly regarded by everybody I speak to. I don't think I've ever heard a single word Bad word against you, Joe. You're right up there. How, how do you feel about Manchester City? How do you feel about your time? Do you you look back as fondly as I do on your your involvement? I've still got great affection for the club. You know, I've I've um, regularly been to supporters' meetings once once every year or every eighteen months. I think I'm due to go to one next month, and uh, they'll certainly be flying high when when, when I get there. But no. I, I've always had great affection for them. I wouldn't deny that my Everton were my first club, um, but Manchester City and Oldham are certainly vying for second place. And they've come on a bit since you were the City, haven't they, as a club? <laughs> well, we uh, when we took Andy Morrison in, you know, it was, I'm not sure how many board meetings it was before we arrived at something like £45,000 or something or other, but it was very hard. You know, we were taking frees and kids. Um, the, the, the club was financially embarrassed, to say the least, and um, somehow or other we got out of it, you know, and it, it was hard. It, we, <clears throat> my record would read uh, relegation first season 
although I wouldn't blame myself for that one because um, I got there very late. And then two promotions and then a relegation, which you could blame me for because I was in charge, although, again, I might plead financially embarrassed. Indeed, and, and I could see what was going on at the club at the time. Uh, obviously, the 99 playoff final is, is one that stands, you know, forever in City's history. And you and I and, and all the players were at a variety club of Great Britain dinner that we did. And I wanted that call, you know, that without this club, there would be no Manchester City. Do you feel that way? Do you feel, a, you know, pride in the fact that... It, had it not been that season, had it not been going up with that team, with all the financial problems that you were managing perhaps behind the scenes, that City wouldn't be where they are today? But you, we can't say, you know, it, it's an if and or maybe but, but I, I honestly can't say. A lot of people very kindly say that, you know, that they they credit myself and my staff, you know, Willie Donachie, Asa Hartford, Alex Stepney, you know, we were, we were a great staff working together. You know, with Roy Bailey as physio, um, and it, it was hard. It, it was hard times, as I say. There were too many kids playing before they had, before they were ready. You know, and and it might have done one of them a disservice. You know, I, I have one in mind that I, I won't say his name because I felt felt he played too many games too early, and he might have been better had we had the grace to to uh, wait for him, but we couldn't. When Roberto Mancini uh, had that season where City won the league in 2012, um, I, I've heard him interviewed and, and I wonder at what point he really was convinced that City could win the title. Was it when the ball at the back of the net with Aguero? While you were watching 99 in that playoff final and City were 2-0 down, did you give up? Did In your mind, was it was it over? Did You couldn't have possibly expected Kevin Horlock and, and Dickey to get those two goals, could you? No, and, and I don't know whether someone up there had decided these poor fans have had enough, you know, and we're going to do something about this. But I did. I turned round to Willie when the when the second goal went in, their second goal, and I said to him, "Well, it looks like Scunny next year will." And Scunthorpe had just qualified the previous day through the playoffs to to get promoted, and it looked like we were going to be playing them. And then, of course, the, the rest, as they say, is history. I have an elder boy who left at that stage, you know, couldn't stand the, the pressure for it all. And then when he got back to the hotel, he was depressed. And then someone told him, City have equalised. So he, he ran back in. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of stories like that. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll bring the other, two, the other two guys in now, Harlan and, and, and Amy. And, and feel free in this podcast because... We don't always have somebody of the stature of Joe to talk to us. We have some great guests, don't get me wrong, but, but I mean, Joe's right at the pinnacle. Feel free to dive in and ask a question if there's something, because, you, you know, you don't get the chance to ask somebody like Joe Royal every day. But, um, Harlan, you know a lot about the, the, the club's history. I know you're only, you know, of an age where you wouldn't have been watching when Joe was a player, uh, and it would have been right at the, the start of your sort of life, really, when City were winning the playoff final and Joe was the manager. But you know where his stature is in that in this club, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, Ian. Uh, lovely to meet you, Joe. Lovely to see you. Um, virtually meet you. Virtually meet you, of course. Um, feel like I know you, though. I think all Blues do. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's our duty as Blues to... I said this weeks ago, months ago, years ago, Ian... It's our duty as Blues to hand it hand it down. 
if it wasn't for my granddad and my dad handing it down to me, I probably wouldn't be a City fan. Might have found my way into uh, football fanship, but maybe wouldn't be a City fan. So it's our duty to continue to hand that down as much as possible, especially with the way that the the the, the generation in terms of football is going statistically and, and that kind of thing. You know, how many fans in today's society would be City fans if 99 was now? Uh, that's the situation Oldham are in, unfortunately. Lower than that now. But um, that's another club close to my heart. But um, it's our job to go back and look at people like Joe and, you know, look at even even Kevin's time after Joe's. Um, and even further back, I'm obsessed with the Malcolm Allison um, and Joe Mercer era. You know, that's, that's an era that my granddad speaks very, very fondly about. And is an era that I feel a duty as even a 28-year-old blue to understand and 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 relish really because this is compared to it in many ways. But you said a minute ago, Joe, about ifs, buts, and maybes. Could players today have played back then? Could players back then have played now? It's a question you just can't answer. Um, but having not ever met Joe personally, um, yeah, you, you're someone very special to me, even as a 28-year-old, and someone that I believe is hugely responsible for for making sure my club's still around. What is undoubted is that, it, that the history of a football club is not just made of ups. And and I, I've seen lots of conversations from supporters of other teams when they, they do this jibe about City have no history. You know, what makes fans, you know, what makes the bond between uh, the human beings who become City fans is because of the ups and downs. We're going through a terrific up at the moment, but... The, the the coming back the phoenix which you led Joe was was all part it's all it's in our DNA and as Harlan says it's sort of passed on from one generation to another so when I'm in the away end now at a city game or wherever it might be that I talk to city fans I hear them talking about the past and it's amazing that even with Harland up front and you know Kevin De Bruyne and the, and obviously the great players that we've had in recent years like Sergio and David Silver and Vincent Company. The Andy Morrisons and the, uh, you know, the, the Kevin Horlocks and the Paul Dickoffs are held in almost the same esteem and quite rightly. And so they should be, shouldn't they, Joe? Absolutely. And, and they, they, they were integral players in, in round, round about that time. But don't forget also in 76, we had a side that uh, won the League Cup and then went on to finish runners-up to Liverpool. And, you know, I felt we were only one one short of, of challenging Liverpool after that. You know, the the, the problem was the, the great, the fantastic Colin Bell had got badly injured and never really played again. He, he did hobble around in a few games, but how do you replace Colin Bell? Now, you might say now De Bruyne, um, because they're, they're very similar, I think, on the influence on a team, both of them, their stamina, their, their power, their, their artistic, uh, fantastic players, you know. But we were very close. We had Asa Hartford in midfield, Dennis Stewart, Peter Barnes scoring goals. Gary Owen was coming through. Um, Dave Watson, you know, centre-half, top centre-half, big Joe in goal. So we went short, you know, we went short of talent. I don't still really know why it went wrong next year. I think Colin Viljan was the player who was brought in to 
sort of replaced Colin, wasn't he? Colin Bell. Um, and it never, it didn't quite, well, I know we've lost Colin Vilgin now, he's passed away, but he he was a the, the, the sort of hot, big hope, wasn't he, uh, to, to replace Colin? He, he was a smashing player at Ipswich as well, but I'm not saying, I didn't see enough of him playing at City to comment on how well he did or not, but I know that he's very well thought of down at Ipswich. When, when I was managing there, he was very, very well thought of. And he, he was a very fast player, but Colin Bell did the lot. You know, Colin Bell defended, you know, he got back. He, he, nobody ran away from him, that's for sure. And uh, some of the, the legend about him being Najinsky, I arrived at, um, at Main Road Christmas Eve 1974, and I couldn't wait to see and hear about the legend about Colin Bell. I very soon saw it when we went running on a Monday morning at Princess Park. And um, we, we had a hard, hard morning there. And Tony Book would finish it off with us doing half a lap round the, the running track there, you know, which, as, as you would gather, when you're very tired and you think you've done everything. And Belly used to run round behind everybody <clears throat> and then run wide into the outside track, start smacking his bottom like a kid playing cowboys and run past everybody and just put his head down on the line. And then, you know, there'd be people, one or two that might be trying to be sick. There'd be one or two sat down, panting. And Belly would be walking around saying to Tony Book, I don't think these lads are very fit, you know, Skip. And, uh, but we loved him. You know, we, we, that, was, that was just his little sense of humour, you know, that he en enjoyed it. He knew he was good. And he was, by God, he was good. Spent a lot of time with Colin, uh, as you probably know, because I ended up ghostwriting his autobiography and became close friends. And he spoke so highly of you, Joe, and so highly of of the the other players of that generation. I mean, he was a he was a gentleman. I mean, he's a gentleman like you are. Uh, listen, we had good players. You know, we, did, we had a, two centre backs. We had Big Tommy Booth and and Mike Doyle and and Dave Dave Watson. We had three to choose from. Willie Donachie at fullback, Kenny Clements, Joe Corrigan. We went short. Asa Hartford, a terrific midfield player, you know, would get in any, any midfield. And, and we thought we were very close, but I don't know. I don't know quite where it went wrong. Amy, let me bring you in and let me ask you, because um, without giving your age away, because we don't do that with a lady, do you? Um, you're a little bit older than Harlan. So how does Joe and, and that, that, that era fit into your uh, DNA as a City fan? Uh, I was 14 uh, in 99. Um, and uh, I, uh, Nicky Weaver was, uh, was my absolute heartthrob. I just loved him to pieces. Um, and I've been very fortunate to meet some of the players. I've met Nicky Weaver, I've met Paul Dickoff, I've met Andy Morrison, I've been quite lucky, really. Um, and I remember, uh, yeah, this is a little story for you. City Reserves used to play at Hyde United when they were coming back from injury. And if you couldn't get to the game or anything, you could go and watch City Reserves play for free at Hyde United. So my dad used to take me because he didn't always want to take me to Main Road because of me being so tiny. Um, so he used to take me to Hyde United because it was, you know, thingy. And um, I was sat about four rows from Joe 
<laughs> uh, so Joe, Joe was sat about four rows behind me and I kept turning and waving, but I was dead shy, so I didn't think it. And um, Perry Cook's girlfriend was sat in front of me. And I kept saying to my dad, oh, isn't Terry Cook dead cute? He's so cute, really. And his girlfriend was wetting herself, wetting herself, laughing at me. And she turned around and she said, uh, he is cute, isn't he? But I get to take him home. And I just went, what is that? Um, <laughs> but the game was really bad because Kevin Harlock had just was just coming back from injury. And somebody tackled him and he went careering into the hoardings and his head just went, and I nearly threw up. It was just awful, like, um, and I looked behind and Joe just went, like, <laughs> to say, oh, there's another few weeks off, like, off thinking, but yeah, so that's my little Joe Royal story, <laughs> which isn't very good, but. <laughs> what you've illustrated by, by talking that way, Amy, is that City of that era, even though you're still relatively young, <laughs> that sounds unkind, doesn't it? I don't mean it unkind. <laughs> you're certainly young, relative, really. you're relatively young to me <laughs> and to Joe. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of your age, the fact that, that City is so brilliant now and have all this success and I go to every game, I can't deny it now, I've got to the point, and this isn't arrogance, where I expect us to win. And, and now actually I expect Erling Haaland to score a goal every time he plays. So that's how I'm feeling. I, I keep trying to rein it in because you don't want to get arrogant. You don't want to get you know too big for your boots or anything. But you've illustrated that with your story, that the reason why City fans, the majority of them, are still so firmly rooted in reality and humility is because when you started being a City fan, that's what you were watching, that's what you were going through, and that's that's why you're like you are, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, my dad, my dad, um, my dad's family, my granddad and my grandma were all City fans. Uh, my mum's a Liverpool fan, I'm very sorry. Um, she, but her granddad was a scouser, so that's why she became a, a Liverpool fan. And my brothers are red, as I've said before. I'm very sorry about that as well. Um, but I was first born, so obviously I went with my dad. So, um, you know, and in, in my dad's family, you weren't allowed to not be a City fan. You just got, like, booted off the face of the earth if you weren't a City fan, so... Um, you know, it is it is sort of in your DNA, but I think nowadays the children who are coming to be City fans now are City fans because of how well we're doing. Not all parents are football fans. Um, you know, I've got a lot of children who I look after at nursery who are City fans because the parents are City fans or some of the kids who I've looked after go to football schools. Is um, We have a thing in Tameside called Footy Tots, um, so they start them from like being two year old and they, you know, they go and do little football skills and stuff like that. Um, but not a lot of people, not a lot of people are football fans. And I think the the generations now uh, are fat football fans because City are at the top of the league or whatever. So they got, they, they support them. Um, but yeah, I, I think from our generations, it's from our parents, it's from our grandparents. Um, and if it weren't for them, then we wouldn't be the fans we are. And I think you do have to stay grounded. You do have to remember the bad times because we did have some bad times. And I've said it before, the 90s for me was awful at school. Like it just was awful because we were just picked on constantly there was only about four of us that were city fans in my class 
and it was awful for us. We were just picked on constantly. And I just thought, I don't care. I'm sticking with it. I'm blue and that's I'll always be a blue. So that's the way it is. You've introduced an interesting area. Go on. Go on, Joe. Say that I'm the exact opposite to Amy. My father was born in Eccles, raised in Newton Heath, and then emigrated to Liverpool for work. So I was born and I'm still the, the first member of the royal family that was born in Liverpool. <laughs> you, 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 you've been you've been in a player in Bristol, you've been in, Nor- in Norwich, Ipswich, you know, you Manchester, Liverpool, you know, you've been all over the place and you've mingled with fans all your life. Joe, I mean, obviously, it's not quite as isolated as it as it is now. You know, pl- players today probably don't mix with fans as much. Do you? Uh, this is an honest question, and and you can answer however you want. Do you, do you? We all think that City fans are different. Are City fans different than fans of other clubs? I, I said at the time, I think that. <clears throat> excuse me. They they were tested because um, I'm, I'm not sure that fans from Everton, Liverpool. Manchester United could have handled um, what what happened to Manchester City, you know, when we went into the third tier of, of English football. And, uh, you know, I, they're all great fans, don't get me wrong, and everybody loves the club. But I, I just thought that they handled it with humour. And I still meet City fans who talk about that season down there in the third division, you know, going to some of the, the outback outback of um, British football and they loved it they said we really enjoyed it you know great days yeah I can I can agree with that I mean Bristol Rovers on a Friday night um, I think it was and Macclesfield Town when Sean Golter scored a goal and I, I remember I had corporate hospitality before that game which is unheard of but it was in a marquee outside the ground you know it wasn't in a some posh place um, Robbie Savage's Macclesfield's got better facilities now than Macclesfield had back, back then. But um, I'm glad I did all those those trips. It's, it's made me the football fan I am these days. Go oh. on, Harlan. How, how has this affected you? Yeah, just something that something that um, that Amy touched on then, and it was something that I think I think Joe touched on as well before, and, and yourself. I think it's easy as, as as City fans to go typical City were that City back then and. We should never enjoy or become. You said before the word arrogant. I don't think you're arrogant, and I think that you're living in the moment. You're enjoying the moment you're living in. I think that's what we're all doing. Um, there's a difference between doing that and becoming arrogant, where you disregard every other team, you disrespect the Aston Villa fans, you disrespect the Bournemouth fans, you speak about them other clubs that have no chance of winning the Premier League. You know, Leicester five thousand to one. Let's be honest on the pod tonight. That's probably not going to happen again in my lifetime. Um, there's three teams, if that season, four teams that can win the Premier League. You might get an outsider that's going to get in the top seven, two or three times out of ten. But it's going to be one of four every season. That doesn't mean that Fulham fans should stop supporting Fulham Football Club because they can't win the Premier League. They might not win the FA Cup and they're not going to win the League Cup. And they ain't getting the Champions League anytime soon, or the Europa League, or the Conference League. So what are they doing? Are they just existing? No, they're supporting their club because their club is Fulham Football Club, because it's Bournemouth, because they understand the history of their club like we understand the history of ours. They might support the club because of no other reason than the fact that Grandad supported them and they want to carry on his legacy or something like that. Who are we to tell a fan why they should or shouldn't support a football club? 
So our success now is unbelievable and I enjoy it and I live in the moment and I want to thrive in it. And there's got to come a time where City fans go, no, I'm going to actually sit back and go, we are absolutely quality. You are nowhere near us without being arrogant, but at the same time, um, appreciate the fact that every football club is somebody's football club. Football is the game we love. And without other football teams, without Fulham, without Bournemouth, without you know Leicester and the other sides in the division, you haven't got competition. There wouldn't be football. I think that that's the bottom line of it. But going back to what Joe and Amy have, have said and yourself, Ian, um, football is it's my purpose. It's part of my purpose. It's what I want to do on a Saturday and a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night and daft times when they change the kickoff times. You know, I want to do it. It's my thing. And um, I love the game. I love it now. I loved it then. I love what I didn't see. And like I said before, Joe is responsible for for the, the years just after I was born, leading up to Kevin taking over. Even Pierce's days, they weren't unbelievable, were they? They were, they were very poor at times. But I went into school every day and it was, well, what do you not support United for? Yeah, you should support United. You're a city but like Amy. And it was, no, and I said it before in the pod, something good is going to come to this club. If it's a Thomas Cook trophy or a third round qualifying tie or whatever it may be, if it's double header against TNS, a locker run, and we get through it, success. Success is whatever it is to whatever or whoever. Success is whatever it is to. It's relevant to the person. Which obviously translates into Oldham Athletic and where you are now, Joe, because, you know, there, there's a club that nearly went out of existence. And thanks to the intervention of, of the, the new owner and your son and you, you know, the club's still in existence. Oldham Athletic aren't going to win the Premier League anytime soon. But the people there, there were uh, six, seven thousand there at the, the last game uh, last weekend. You know, they care about their club far more than they care about lots of other stuff, and it doesn't matter that they don't win every week, does it? It's in, it's it's what football makes you. It, it, even more so at the moment, because the club nearly went under, and but for the intervention of Frank and the Rothwell family, you know, who stepped in to finance the club, the, the, the new owner, um, Oldham were going out of existence, and that's a, a team and a club that were founder members of the Premier League. You know, we played in the Premier League. We beat Manchester United. We beat Manchester City. We beat Everton and Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. You know, and here we here they were struggling in the lower divisions. So I, I can't stop thanking Frankie enough. I think I told you before, every time I see him, I'm going to thank him because he saved a club that was very close to me, very dear to my heart. I'm very fortunate there that one of the stands is named after me. Um, and and I'm a director there now, so I'm going, I'm going and, and watching the games. And there was a terrific atmosphere there yesterday. That was that was Saturday. That you know they won in the end three two. It was like the old days. weren't playing very well. Two one down. Not long to go. One three two. And uh, so many people there with smiles on their faces. And I've got to say the travelling directors from the opposition from Eastleigh and their handful of fans. They all enjoyed it too. It, it was a great day. So what Amy and, and Harlan have just said about fans and the fan base and that, fans have got their part to play, you know, and enjoy it. You know, don't get it, don't let it ruin your weekend by any means, but, you know, please keep coming. But when, when I was uh, a young apprentice at Everton, we had a, a captain called Brian LeBone 
he's known in Everton circles as the last Corinthian. He, he was a, a great guy and he was always the last to leave the dressing room and he stopped outside and he signed all the autographs that anybody wanted and he had a chat with the fans every day. And I asked him about this one day. I said, you know, the other boys disappear mostly and uh, you're still there. He said, Joe, when they stop asking, start worrying. And it's something that I've remembered, you know. So it's, it's it, the, the, the fan base now, more than ever, fans aren't needed necessarily financially now because there's that much money coming in from Sky and floating around. But the, the, to the smaller clubs, um, the fans are still very, very important. Very, very important. And that's what's happening now at, at Oldham. There's been a big turnaround since Frank and my son. I, I will praise my son in this, you know, since they came into this. And um, I won't say we're ready to rock again, but we're certainly ready to try. And it's not that long ago, let's remind ourselves, and you mentioned it before, you know, the, the season when City went down on the last day at West Ham. Uh, sorry, yeah, it was, was it Ipswich? Yeah, we're getting mixed, mixed up here. His last day was at West Ham, wasn't it? Um, when you were in, uh, uh, in charge. The last season, I think, was at Stoke. Oh, yeah, that was the one down into the, uh, into the third tier. I was thinking at the end of your time at City um, yeah. in the Premier League, but... Um, there were you you mentioned about the, the the financial difficulties in that season, and and I know damn well that you know without uh, you know John Wardle and and people putting their hands in the pockets and 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 keeping the club going, even though it seems an unfair parallel to what might have happened to Oldham, what has happened to Berry, what did happen to Macclesfield, City were in such dire straits that. You know, somebody with a little bit of money was paying wages and the club was right on the edge. And you, you would have seen a little bit of that type of stuff behind the scenes, Joe, wouldn't you? Uh, the, the, the best um, comparison I can give you is that the week before we were playing in the, in the big game uh, that probably cost us our position. You know, the, oh God, who was it we were playing? It was a QPR um, at, at Main Road anyway and the groundsman one of the young groundsmen came up to me on the Friday and asked, would we mind not training on the pitch as the council had a cup final there on the Sunday? So I started ringing round schools. You know, we always had a few emergency numbers to make and we, we had to go. So obviously not owning the ground, which we didn't, uh, it was owned by the council and uh, the council workers had their job to do. And, <laughs> and this, this was a club, you know, that had, one game to go before they they sunk. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, we haven't mentioned the, the City victory at Wolves. Did you get a chance to watch that, Joe? I, I guess you were watching Oldham, weren't you, on Saturday afternoon? Yes, I was, you know, but I, I caught flashes off it this morning. I was out and about, um, but but I did see I did see some of it and uh, I, I will look through it. As the week goes on this week, I'll be looking at the, the whole 90 minutes. Obviously, they scored very early on. Uh, you'll have watched it, I'm assuming, Harlan, although in your other role as a Bolton Wanderers commentator, well, that would have limited you as well. But I'm guessing you've you've studied the, the Wolves game, have you? Yeah, I watched it in the fan zone, Ian, before, and they've opened up a fan zone at Bolton now. And th th this, again, goes back to making sure that football fans get the full package in, in football nowadays. You know, throughout the COVID uh, situation, fans weren't even in grounds. They were at home watching. They were doing their very best to keep in 
in the loop with what was going on at the, uh, you know, at their football club. And a lot of clubs now, I've noticed, are, are starting to try and appease fans in different ways. Bolton have built a fan zone. They've put food choices on up there, which is brilliant. So I watched it in there with the, with the Bolton fans. Um, the interesting thing is they don't seem to get annoyed when we score, but whenever Liverpool concede, they celebrate. So that's that's a nice thing for other football fans to enjoy somebody else's success, which is good. Everybody hates Liverpool for a change. That's good. But um, yeah, in terms of um, in terms of the game, uh, I'm not saying Grealish has answered his critics because I think positionally, I still believe he'd be much, much, much more efficient and better as a central player than out wide on the left. I don't think a goal changes everything. I've seen a lot of City fans on Facebook so far going, ah, there you go, you see, he scored yesterday. That means that everyone criticising him after Dortmund on Wednesday is wrong. If he scored a Champions League final goal, does that make him the best player in the world? It doesn't. It doesn't. You can't look at football like that. It's not It's not as... It's not as. Um, I think Eric Wirral said this on Jimmy Grimble once, not black or white, sometimes shades of grey. And I think that 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 that's the truth of the matter. Um, Grealish could have scored five goals in yesterday's game, um, and it wouldn't have changed the fact that I don't personally think that he is efficient enough out wide on the left, not being able to kind of move right and left and really dribble the ball enough. But um, he scored, and it's nice to get a goal and give him a bit of confidence. Harland's Harland, of course, my my brother uh, with the D on the end of his name, and um, I also love. The, the, the all-round performance. I thought it was professional. The build-up for the third was pet ball, if ever you could have dreamt it. And I think that third goal is the kind of goal that Pep goes to bed dreaming of on a Friday when he closes his eyes, wakes up on a Saturday and wishes for and then sees it. That, that, that for me, is, is what he wants. Quick, sharp transitions in behind the opposition, unbelievable build-up, and then a lovely, cute finish. I thought it was unbelievable, Liam. Yeah, I loved it. Brilliant it's win. Funny, it's funny, last week I was, uh, before the Dortmund game, I was invited onto Rodney Marsh's uh, American radio programme, Grumpy Pundits on Sirius. And uh, whenever I go on there with Joe, we, uh, sorry, with uh, Rodney, we talk about all sorts of stuff, really. And, and I was able to say to Rodney, remember when you came to City, you know, and uh, you uh, were a much slower player who, who was a flamboyant player who played your own way. Did you see... Um, you know, similarities to, to you and Jack Grealish, you know, a flamboyant, flamboyant player who wears his hair like Amy does, um, you know, who, 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 you know, has his socks down and, and has a certain swagger about him. Uh, the name Rodney Marsh might conjure up memories for you as well, Joe, and you've seen Jack Grealish play. So are the similarities between Jack Grealish, Grealish coming into City and being not the one you know, the instant pass and move player. He's more of a dribble player and hold player. Is there a similarity to Rodney for you, Joe? I love playing with Rod. I had a season playing with Rod before he was sold off to Tampa. Um, a good guy as well. Um, very funny, very intelligent boy, although he did hide it well. Um, <laughs> I'm also a big fan of Grealish as well, to be honest with you. So I think they're both players. They, were, they weren't similar players. I think Grealish, uh, out on the left, coming in on his right foot, is very dangerous. And Rod was more dangerous from a middling position, if you like. Rod was very strong as well. But they, they, they're both top players. You know, Grealish, my word, there's, if City made him available tomorrow, believe me, there'll be a, a number of clubs interested in taking him. That's for sure. Just give him time. It might take a season to settle in. 
but I haven't seen this goal yesterday yet. Again, I will see it sometime this week on on catch up. But uh, now the Grealish is a good player. I saw a lot of him at Aston Villa, that's for sure. And Rod was great fun. Rod Rod was Rod was a rascal. I'm not sure Tony Book would agree with that. You know, he, he found him hard work, and um, there was a, a famous occasion when. Um, Rod had a, two cars. He had an E-Type and something else, and one of his smaller cars he turned up in, and he'd, he'd had painted on the side of his car, um, "Smile," you know, directed at Tony Book. And to be fair to Skip, he he painted on his car, "Play," you know. So that was the sort. Of, uh, but it was it was great. There was a great team spirit in that side, you know, with Rodney. I, I enjoyed playing with Rodney. Some people have suggested that the real reason Grealish isn't doing what he did at Aston Villa is because Pep is quite rigid in saying, no, you stay in that position. You do this, you do that. You, I mean, I've had Brian Harton on the on the podcast and, and we know Sean Galter is an aspiring coach. He's a coach now at City's Academy, a deep, deep thinker about the game. Um, and you must study what Pep does. And Andy Morrison is another one who's studied what Pep does. Do you think that from what you've seen of the way Pep's team plays, that that is part of the problem with Grealish, that he's, he's being coached almost too much and not allowed to, to be a free spirit? I, I I can't see that for one second. Incidentally, when I, I bought Sean Gota from Bristol City, and I, I can't remember how much it was, it, it, it wasn't very dear, that's for sure. Um, and the letters I got from people saying, what are we doing buying this useless player, you know? And, uh, and at the end of the season, and then in the following season, when in the top flight, he scored goals as well. I had a big smile on my face because there's one thing about the goat. <clears throat> he got in the right positions at the right time uh, and, and a, an absolute gentleman. Feed the goat and he will score. 103 goals, I think, is the total he scored for City. That That's still right up there, you know. Oh, it's fantastic. And I'm playing in a not great side, shall we say. Wasn't playing with De Bruyne feeding him or, or Peter Barnes. You know, so, you know, the, the GOAT was a great servant for Manchester City. And I'm delighted to hear that he's working there. He's an absolute gentleman. And uh, anyone who's met him will, will back that up. And it, it's good that he's back with City. What did you make of the game, Amy, at, uh, at Wolves? Uh, you'll have sat and watched it, I'm, I've no doubt, if you weren't there. Yeah, it was, it was nice to be, uh, I think the, the last few games have been a bit slow and a bit, you know, it took us a while. And this game, we we were straight out the out the traps, which was good. And um, you know, it was good. You know, it will give Jack a bit of confidence. And I think sometimes we've spoke about this before. You know, you know this thing about people are awful on social media, and they will say you know nasty things, and and they do read it because at the end of the day, they tag the they tag the player in it you know, you know, and it will get, you know, they do get red and stuff like that. And, you know, I've been critical of some of the players I have, but I try and not say it, you know, I wouldn't say it online because it just wouldn't, that's not the person I am. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, it does help him having a bit of confidence and, you know, hopefully Jack will do better and he will, you know, he, he will get good. Um, But then you're on the other hand, you've got players who've only just come in and have, of hit the ground running, um, you know. So 
especially those who've never played in the Premier League, which Jack has. So um, I don't know. I, I I I hope he does really well, and I, I you know, and I hope Pep can sort him out, and I hope this goal does give him confidence, and hopefully playing for England, you know, that'll help him as well, and then get back get back to City, and you know, hit the ground running and start again, and hopefully this will help him. Well, we're in the international break now, a couple of weeks until the Manchester derby, and we'll finish the podcast off with a, a little thought about that in a second. But just before we do, while I've got Joe here, Amy and Harlan, if you've got a question that you've always wanted to ask Joe Royal, you have his attention now. It's your turn. So who wants to go first and ask Joe a question? Go on, Amy. Go on, Alan. No, you go. Ah, you there you go. I knew, I knew that was going to happen. Go on, Amy. No, go you've on, got, Alan, you've got better questions than me. I just no, don't say that. Don't you say think that. about yours then, Amy, while Harlan asks his. Yeah, so one thing that's been in my mind, Joe, is... Um, so obviously Pep is seen as the biggest football genius in the world, especially by us, but... That's not to say you weren't a football genius in your time, because to turn us, to turn us into what you turned us into, from where we were and the position that you've already described eloquently tonight that we were in, you have to be. Um, but how different was football back then tactically? I mean, maybe your philosophy wasn't the same as Pep's. Can you just explain what your philosophy was back in 99 and when you were in charge of the club and and whether some of Pep's principles were in the game then, but maybe it wasn't seen as a, I don't know, as a, as a futuristic way of playing football, really? Just was, just for City fans, really. Um, back in those days, of course, the, my philosophy about playing players is play them in their best position. But before that comes... Uh, have you got the players to play the way you want to play? And financially, you know, we, we didn't always have the players, you know, so what Pep has, you know, what he wants, he will get and, and deservedly so. So it's hard to compare styles and so forth. You know, in the end, you get players in. The, the most important thing in football, by the way, is three words, recruitment, recruitment, recruitment. And what City and I hate to say this to you, and what Liverpool have got right is their recruitment has been better than than the rest of the division for a number of years now. And that's why. And they've got the best players in. So they've got the players in to fit the system that they want to play, the way they want to play. I think Tottenham are in danger of joining that, by the way. You know, they're, they're looking dangerous at the moment. But whether they play with three centre-backs or two, whether they play with four in midfield or three, whether they play two strikers or one, you play... The system is decided by the players you've got. And, and sometimes, as a manager, you can't always get the players that you've got. Pep's got what he wants, and that's why they look so good, and, and they are so good. I think Liverpool will chase them all the way. And, and I think Arsenal have gone back on top tonight <clears throat> from just winning. So you, you were right before when you said it'll be one of six clubs and Arsenal and Tottenham are joining that club. So look out, City. I still think oh. you're the... But there's a bit of a danger behind you. So on, on what you've just said then, <laughs> would you almost say like, just from a metaphorical perspective then, would you say like it's almost like getting a a jigsaw puzzle from a charity shop and having a couple of pieces missing. 
or having random bits in it where you've, you've got to almost find the right pieces then from another box to yeah. fit in to make the jigsaw complete, just, just from a metaphorical sense. And I think what you've just said there backs up the fact that we've done it better than United have because they've spent more money, brought in lots of quality football players with a lot of ability. I mean, no doubt about it. It's just that we've bought players maybe two or three where they've gone and bought four or five that aren't ready to play their brand of football. Whereas we bought two or three a season that Pep knows are the exact right players or that they are the players he can turn into the exact right player to make that jigsaw complete. Whereas they've not. That's exactly it. I mean, the players, uh, when, when it's time for them to go, they're replaced by the right player and Liverpool. I mean, the, 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 the big case for Liverpool was Van Dijk when everybody had looked at him in Scotland and thought, yeah, but he's playing in a poor standard uh, team and, and a poor division, and then went down, I think, was it Bournemouth he went to? Yeah, or Southampton. Southampton, yeah. Somewhere on the south coast. And, of course, he, he's he's matured into one of the best centre-halves in the division. You know, So, you know, the, the, the players are still there, but you've got to know what you want first. Pep knows what he wants. I knew what I wanted, but... Um, you know, we could afford thirty thousand or a free. Yep, yep. No. <laughs> Different world. Amy, go on. What's your question? You've had a lot of time to think. Right. If you if you just saw a footballer, so you'd you'd not even signed him or you had signed him. Did you know that they were like the real deal, or did did you know just by the by the stance or the way they were, or did you did you know they were going to be good or? Well, mostly, and, you know, if I say that we got one thing right at Oldham over the 12 years, it was recruitment, you know, when we made a profit every year, not necessarily a big profit, but we improved with every player that we bought. It's, it's not a perfect science. You know, Sir Alex, you know, he dominated the, the 80s, 90s and, and, and early, uh, early years you know, with some great buys and, and his recruitment was outstanding. And that's why Man United was so dominant for the time. He replaced at least one player, sometimes two, every season, and he got it spot on. But, you know, my own little case, when I was an older manager, I'd heard about a non-league player called Mark Ward who'd been released by um, Everton when he was a kid, but he was tearing up trees at uh, Northwich, so I went along one night um, and I was determined. I was just going to sit there on my own and, and watch him. And after 10 minutes, I thought, what a player. His first touch was immaculate. The ball was his friend. He was quick. He was feisty, you know. And so, you know, you, you can see sometimes one and I, I just sat there and glowed when he made his debut and scored for us. So it can be like that. And, and I'm not immune either to... Um, Buying always good players. I, I I dropped one or two ghoulies as well, but I won't name them. <laughs> let's let's finish off then. And thanks all so much for for your time tonight, Joe, and and obviously to Harlan and Amy as well. And by talking about the next game, which I know is nearly two weeks away, but it is it is the Manchester derby. Um, I'll leave Joe till the end on this one. Uh, save the best till last. No, no offence. Um, but so therefore, whichever way I go now with Amy or Harlan, they're going to think that means that there's no order to this, right? I'm going to go with the lady first, right? So over to you, Harlan. No, uh, so Amy, <laughs> just, 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 just give us your thoughts then on 
where you are in the derby because United have definitely improved. They had a sticky start. They've definitely improved. Um, I, you know, but City are, are on a roll at the moment. So two-week gap, it comes back to the derby. You go to the Etihad for the Manchester derby. Are you thinking Haaland's going to get another goal, City are going to win, or are you worried about United? Or what, where do you stand? I hate derby matches. I absolutely hate them. And I just think, I've never liked them. I just I just feel sick all day. I just think it's just awful. Um and like the last the last derby, I think it was. Um you know, you we have won a few, you know, the last few, and I just think, oh my god, like um, but yeah, like United, you don't older you, they could be absolutely crud or be on top of the game. And I just, I don't know. I just, when it happens, it happens, whatever. And I've, I will sit on the fence as usual. I just, I just don't like them. And I'm not, I'm not even going there. <laughs> so, so Amy's obviously, um, it, it goes into meltdown when the derby yeah, comes along. What about you, Harlan? Uh, I used to relish derbies as a kid because it was probably one of the only games that mattered to United fans if we beat them. So it was great going in school after a, a Sunday derby win and saying, get in. That's our one of two for the season. It's different now. Um, like Amy, I agree. It can they turned up the other year, didn't they? I think they beat us, did they the double over us? Uh, not last season, the season before. Um, it is what it is. I'm not I'm not feared of them. Um, I think they're a very poor side still for the majority of the time. Um they've been lifted a bit, but uh that could be a, a late honeymoon. Um, you know, they get a bit carried away, I think, at the moment. You know, they've got a long way to go to have a fully established side like us that are as cohesive and that are as consistent. Um, Harland will love it. He'll relish and he'll bathe in the, the opportunity. I watched Bernardo the other night, Ian. You were at the game, of course, but watching the TV footage of him when, when any decision's given against him or he loses any battle that he doesn't agree he should have lost, he is absolutely, for every single moment on the pitch in a City shirt matters to Bernardo Silva. In all the big games, he, uh, he Fernandinho, um, I've said Ruben Diaz over the last couple of years as well. They're the Vinny Company, of course, was one. They're always the players, them, that really kind of put them hard yards in and make sure that even if you lose the game, no matter what, every single ounce of blood, sweat, tears and energy is left out on the grass. And I think that Bernardo Silva's one of them. Haaland's a blue through Alfie. So he'll he'll be well up for it. And he's going to give Maguire and whoever else is marking him in that one uh, hell for, for 90 minutes, whether he scores or not. Um, and I'm just optimistic about giving them a good pasting, really, and keeping this run going. Um, I'm excited because it's United, but I'm excited because, like you said, we're on a decent run. Um, and it's the first opportunity for Erling to really kind of irritate Roy Keane to another level. And I think that he will genuinely... <laughs> you know what? I'd show him I'd show him the challenge before the game, me. Honestly, if I was Pep, I'd go, did that to your dad, that lad, that's see him up there on that stage. Go out there and score an atty. Go on and see what happens. That would be my motivation. 
Right, well, we'll come to Joe now, but just before that, I'll just say thanks again to everybody for listening, subscribing, all the rest of it. And thanks very much to Howard's solicitors who have offices throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual. So if it's likely that you need some help or guidance on any subject that involves the law, then they've got somebody to help you. 0161 872 or go on the website, Howard Solicitors. Dot com. Now you've got Derby memories as a manager, as a player. I'm talking about Manchester Derby, obviously. I know you, you're engrossed in the Liverpool one as well. But from a Manchester Derby perspective, you've got your own memories and you can look at this Manchester Derby from the outside, the one that's upcoming. So give us your thoughts, Joe. I love Derby games. I was fortunate enough to score at Old Trafford and at Main Road against them in my short stay as a player there. Um, it was interesting listening to Harlan there talking about Alfie, you know, when Roy Keane uh, caught him and got sent off. Uh, and I said to Alfie, when he came in, I said, are you OK? He said, yeah. He said, I saw him coming and jumped. So he actually never caught Alfie Harlan. I told you he was a rascal. Um, the lad got sent off for... Keane got sent off, rightly so, for trying to get him, but he didn't. And uh, Alfie didn't miss any games because of that, you know. These games can go either way. Um, you can you can say it might be a nil-nil. I wouldn't think it. I don't think this is going to be a nil-nil. Um, I think that United have got players that will rise to it. But, you know, I still say that City are the best team around. I would I would take City to win it by the odd goal. But I wouldn't put money on it. Well, it's been a joy to have you on the podcast, Joe. Um, can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, the very, very best of, sincerely, the best of luck at Oldham Athletic. I only live round the corner from Oldham Athletic, so a club that uh, very close to me heart, apart from, of course, my first love, which is Manchester City. Um, so I can only wish you and Darren and Frank and, and, and everybody at Oldham Athletic all the best, and I'll try and get over there whenever I can to watch your game and hopefully bump into you, Joe, and, uh, and get to say hello in person as usual. But thanks very much to you. Thanks very much to Harlan and to Amy. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week when hopefully um, a, a name that you'll have to Google this one if you're not of a certain age, a guy called Barry Siltman is going to be our special guest on the podcast. Um, is Barry Hello. Siltman is a, name, a name that rings a bell with you, Jill? Oh, yeah, Silky, uh, Silky, JR, JR, he used to call me JR all the time. He's a, he's a funny man, he's a good guy, and he enjoyed his time at City. He really did. How would you sum him up then? What, what's his character? He's another rascal, but he's a real rascal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might get to meet him on the podcast next week anyway. So thanks very much to everybody. Uh, have a great week. Um, and as ever, and I always say this, it could never be truer. Isn't it great to be a blue? Thank you.